We want to empower you to advocate for yourself and to take responsibility and to say, what sucks in my life that I hate right now that I could really step into and say, you know what? I never thought of taking responsibility. It may not be your fault, but it can still be your responsibility to take the power back. Welcome to the Push Podcast. Why push? Because a nudge is just too friendly. And friend, we're here to help you get your shit together. I'm Eddie. And I'm Janelle. And we're the Copelands. We've got three daughters, two businesses, a mortgage, and lots of responsibilities. So just like you, we're struggling to find that perfect balance of ambitious go-getter hustle while still staying present, loving our kids, and working on our relationship. (laughs) And doing the laundry, going to the grocery store. Oh, and don't forget being mindful. Yeah, all of the stuff. (laughs) So if you're juggling all the things, but you're also trying to get to the next level, guess what? You're in the right place. So get ready to be pushed. Hey guys, welcome back to the Push Podcast. I am Janelle Copeland. And I'm Edward. That's so awkward. Uh, Well, they know my last name. If you don't know my last name, you better ask somebody. That's my... (laughs) Lord have mercy. It wasn't awkward for me. It was awkward for me, for you. I had secondhand embarrassment just now. I wasn't embarrassed. You were uh, embarrassed all by yourself. Anyways. Welcome to the Push Podcast, everyone. Welcome. Do you have a what in the world, sir? I do. My what what in the world. Is about your lovely wife again? No. Okay. No. um, I have plenty of those. Those are all stockpiled when Mm -hmm. I really need them. My what in the world is it's about homelessness. Okay. Homelessness is really bad, right? And everybody has a story. Mm-hmm. I have a and, story about that. Well, this is not your turn. You, <laughs> this is my turn first. <laughs> so my story is you drive on air, you know, when you get off of uh, freeways and there's, you're all on the on-ramp and, and there's always, and I hate to say this always, but there's typically someone that is uh, homeless or looking for some help. Mm-hmm. And they usually have a sign. And mm-hmm. I'm always intrigued about a couple things. When, where do they get the markers and the materials to make these signs? Uh-huh. Sometimes I'm like, like if I was homeless, I wouldn't know where to get a Sharpie. I guess right. you can steal one or or maybe someone lets you borrow it. I don't know. So that was always something that's on my mind. But then when I see their signs, there's always something intriguing that I've, I'll find. And so I saw something recently and the guy said on the on this homeless man on the side, on, on the side of the road said, uh, hard times stole my pension and my car. The hard, hard times time stole them. Yeah, the hard times stole them, and and you know, I obviously everyone knows the story, so I, I definitely didn't judge because I've always thought to myself like they got there somehow, some way, and if I would have followed the chapters of their life, you know, whether it be decisions or misfortune or, or drugs, drugs or mental illness, like mm-hmm. all these different things, kind of play a part to get get in there. But I thought it was interesting that he said he blamed hard times, and I know mm-hmm. hard times are hard times, mm-hmm. right? But he said hard times stole his pension and his car. Can I say something? Because I don't want people to judge you. Yes, please. Okay. So the (laughs) reason I said I have a story was because I want to illustrate like you threw out, you were donating. uh, We we often clean our closets, which is a blessing to be able to do. We donate clothes, shoes, whatever. I had pulled some tennis shoes out, really nice Nikes, um, the last time you were going to go on a donation round. Um, And I pulled out your Nikes and a couple of the blankets, and I put them in a bag, and I put it in the back of my trunk, and I drove around with it for a couple of months because there's a homeless man I keep seeing in our neighborhood that doesn't have shoes on. He's really dirty. It's cold, whatever. And so finally... Last week, I may have even mentioned it on the last podcast, but last week I saw him pulled over quickly and I said, sir, I have some shoes for you. Here you go. 
gave them to him. Those are the types of people that we are when when it comes to being homeless, right? Right. The next thing I will remind you of is um, I can't remember what episode it was, but Eddie takes the train sometimes to and from work. And you often bring your meals that are packed in like yeah, little containers. Yeah. So many times you've heated up a meal and then headed out from work to come home with a nice hot meal to eat on the train. You've seen someone who was homeless on the side of the street or at the train station and you've offered them your meal. Yeah. And so I just don't have to paint Which a picture because refused. it sounds like <laughs> you're saying I have an issue with homeless people. No, 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 no. That's not uh, what you're saying. No, no, that's not what I'm saying at all. <laughs> what I'm saying is, is that. I thought it was really interesting that he chose that to right. be the tagline that he would use to gather. Hard times some, stole my pension. Stole my pension and my car. Right. And so, uh, you know, so the repossession. Obviously, when you hit rock bottom, mm -hmm. I think there. You would think hitting like I think our rock bottom was bankruptcy. I mm -hmm. think our rock bottom, you know, was tough times in marriage as mm -hmm. parents. And I think you get. Hopefully, you get some sort of clarity from those hard times. Mm -hmm. uh, and then in order for you to make a comeback, you've got to own it, right? right. To some well, sort of You have to some at some, some point get to a point where you're like, okay, thankfully, we learned the lesson from that season. And now, eventually, you become thankful that those hard times kind of right. pushed you into a new season, new learnings, new lessons, whatever. Right. And if I was just to pull something from that, not to take the, the gentleman out of it and, and homelessness out of it. But I think when you think that an external factor took something from you mm -hmm. um, and you are now at this place of being in a rock bottom, then I don't think that you ever can claim it back. No. Right. I, and I think that if things change and this person was to get a job and, and, and start to make their lives, remake their lives again. I don't know if they learned anything from whatever the misgivings were for the that situation to actually keep or continue to build on their life, whether whatever that yeah. success looks like. So a hundred percent agree with you. I think the thing is though is that's triggering for us because we believe that we have contributed to all of the bad times, like in some shape yeah, like or if form. I'm homeless. It's my fault. Right. Because <laughs> like, but like I, I'm not saying it from a standpoint that there are not external things that are misfortunate. Right. Your mm -hmm, house burns mm -hmm, down mm -hmm. and, and maybe you were just trying to get things together. You um, lost, you a lost child, your job, your wife, you, you whatever. You lost your wife. Like maybe you had, you got hurt and like you got, you know, you were on medication. Like mm -hmm. All those different things I understand yeah. play a part in it. But at at some at some point, in order for you to make a comeback, you gotta like own it. Say, own okay, it. yeah. Like there are things that I did. If my house burned down, then it was probably decisions that I made not to get insurance. It's probably decisions I made not to take care of certain things mm -hmm. that I probably should have took care of to protect the assets in my life. Right. Well, I guess that would be you know the whole title of that would be around victimhood, right? Because right. I see people. We know there's one thing promised in life, and that is you're going to die. Right. Period. Right. Hundred percent. But yet, like we don't have wills, we don't um, have life insurance, we don't pay for things ahead of time that would set us up to be really comfortable financially in the event that the breadwinner of the household, you know, passes or something right. like that. So you'll see people on the side of the road. Again, using your traffic analogy with signs up like, you know, car wash, all donations help. You know, we lost our dad or right. something. those things right. break my heart. But then I also just feel like if I ever got in that situation, it would be because I didn't take the precautionary measures that were required 
to make sure all my ducks were in a row, right? Yeah. And so if you listen to, to this now, please know that we're not being insensitive. Right. We're not being empathetic. We know that there are many things out there that make it very difficult to succeed sometimes. Mm-hmm. And, and, and there's things that happen that you trip over and, and, and be, you find yourself in tough situations. But I do think that you do have to find ways to take ownership. Yeah. I think you have to. You have to find ways to take full responsibility and finding the things that you did wrong to put you yourself in a situation where you were so vulnerable to the external factors. And I think when you do that, then I think that you make progress because you're able to learn from it and say, okay, I'm not going to make that decision. But you also start to think about the small little decisions that you do make and how they can compound and become big, bad decisions Mm -hmm. or good great decisions, right? So you mentioned we went a long time without having a will and trust. That could have been a really bad decision. Absolutely. And then our kids would have been in a situation where now if something the house happened, is in probate. Right. And so like it would have been a mis it would have been a horrible situation. It would have been a, a problem for them, but it would have been our fault for yeah. not taking those steps. Mm-hmm. Right. And I like here's the thing. This is the push podcast. Right? So if this is your first time <laughs> listening to this, like our whole reason for existing is to offer you an alternate perspective. So if you find yourself triggered by anything triggered. that we have said, right. it's really an indicator that you need to maybe reevaluate the way that you're looking at the world or the way you're taking feedback or the way you're listening to the story because it's really simply this podcast is designed to get you to push your perspective to try on other possibilities that may or may not fit for you, right? Right. And so just to kind of like tie it up, you said that the thing that was triggering was the sign said, hard time stole my pension and my car. I would venture to say that if we posted that randomly, I mean, people know that we're not those types of people, but if someone random posted that on Instagram, I guarantee it would be shared millions of times because half of the world agrees with what we're saying. And that is, "Mm, I don't think you actually learned the lesson then if you're blaming it on something else, right? You're not going to be able to take accountability and actually recover from this until you stop blaming it on hard times, right? Right. But the other half of the world (laughs) is very much going to side with this man and say, oh, amen to that. You know, hard times gave me anxiety. Hard times slipped me into depression. Hard times did all this stuff. It's just the language, though. Those things could be very factual, but the language of you sounding like you're blaming it on that and not taking responsibility is what's triggering for you. I'm curious how much more money he would get if he said, I made some tough decisions. Things didn't work out. I Mm. I fell on some hard times. Now I need a sandwich, right? Right. that, That would be very different. And I think that it would matter because I think that then you're talking, now you're thinking about, okay, I want to give this person an opportunity because they have owned yeah. the piece of the of that of that situation, and to the degree that they have saying, "Hey, I know I made some tough decisions, mm. and I know I I didn't I, you know, I didn't I I fell into the wrong crowd, or whatever the case may be, I own it." Well, I think, I think if I saw big. a sign that said, "I made some tough decisions, which is why I'm here now, begging for money. Please help me get back on my feet. Anything helps. A job, five dollars, whatever." I'd be more inclined to go talk to that. That's person. what my sign would say. <laughs> Give me a job. I, I I will do my very best. Like, I just think that that's, you know, and again, 
we know that majority of folks that are on the streets these it's days, mental are, health are, issues, unfortunately, yeah. is mental health. And then there's so this conversation was really just about the sign for <laughs> it was you. About the sign. So maybe you should have said that. No, it was about the sign. It wasn't about the the, the yeah. person, so to speak. It was right. about the sign that it just struck me as like, oh wow, okay. We should take a poll. Like when this people comes steal out. your bike. Right. I don't know if uh, this invisible force of hard times can steal yeah. anything other than. Then, well, you know. it's interesting. The whole homeless sign conversation could be a podcast because I remember being with my dad and we saw a guy that had a sign up that said something like, not going to lie to you. I just want a pack of cigarettes or and, <laughs> you know, and a beer or something like that. And my dad went into the store, bought some cigarettes and a beer and was like, here you go. I'm like, what kind of shit is that? Right, like help right. him get a job. Right. He's like, well, he wasn't lying. So the point that I'd like to hammer home is like half of the world is going to agree with what you're saying and the other half is going to agree with that man's sign. And well, I just want to know the listeners, what would your homeless sign say? Because yesterday I've been asking Eddie and Jordan this question. If you had to work nonstop for nine months straight in order to get three months off to go wherever you wanted, travel, whatever, you don't have to worry about month uh, about work or school for three whole entire months, that's a quarter of the year, would you sign up for that? Right? Yeah, right. And then that turned into, we were driving down the street yesterday and you said, if you told me I had to be homeless for two weeks, but it would equate to $50 million, I would do it. And so now we just keep kind of filling in the blanks with all these ridiculous things, which is what my what in the world was going to be. How long could you be homeless like literally no phone, no support, no right. blankets, no Sharpies, no signs, no one to call, no one to give you shelter. How long would you sign up to be homeless for in order to get $50 million? If someone said, I'm asking you, Edward right. Copeland, if someone said, do this for one year, one year, live on the streets, you don't get to see your family, you don't, you don't have anything. Could you do it for one year for $50 million? Oh my goodness. <laughs> Um, I just need to know the provisions. Can I take a shower? You know, I'm big no, on showers. You, two no, shower you are homeless, sir. No. I'll have to take my chances at earning my own $50. I literally, dollars. I'm thinking the same. I'm like, yeah, no. I can't do it. First of all, my skin's very that. sensitive. I'm just not built that way. I'm just not built <laughs> that way. My skin's very sensitive. You showed me this thing where this guy was in a manhole the other oh, day, yeah. a construction worker, and there were roaches crawling all over him. Oh. I'm just going to say I'm allergic yeah. to yeah. roaches. I'm can't a, do yeah. it. So I'm if I'm sleeping on a park bench or I'm sleeping under a freeway because it's raining, if I'm sleeping somewhere on the ground, I'm going to get bit up because I get bit all the time. Yeah. I'm going to wind up in the hospital. So I'm just going to say I well, have to earn my money. Well, so we got to give people context. And yes. that was turning into a whole other podcast. Okay. So that came up because years ago mm -hmm. when, we were, when you had the bakery uh, and there were some profits and I was like, let's invest this profit. And it was right around the time. It was actually like the same day that um, Facebook IPO'd. Okay. So, so Facebook IPO went public. Went public, and I believe the stock price was like nineteen dollars or something mm -hmm. like that. And so I, I don't know how much was the, the, the amount, but I said oh, we're going to take some of this cake mama money and we're going to invest it. Okay. And we just let it ride, and you know, and when a, a company IPOs. It goes up and down and up and down, and then it settles. And mm -hmm. and this is before we knew Facebook was going to be Facebook, okay. right? And so I think a year or two went by, and business was struggling a little bit. Mm -hmm. and it was like, we need some capital. Mm -hmm. We need to sell the stock right. in order so to cash pay some out. bills or whatever, yeah. right? And so to give context, I was thinking, man, now knowing what I know now, if it was like, hey, 
you know, you won't be able to pay these bills. So we're going to, you're going to be homeless for two weeks or what? something like the context of saying, Hey, you may have to go through this tough time, uh-huh. but I'm not going to sell this stock okay, because it's going to be worth $50 million. Okay. Like that was the context. Right. Right. And so like grit and bear it and just kind of go through, find a different way, mm-hmm. but not liquidating that. And I thought if I if it came down to being homeless for two weeks until we can find other money to pay the bill so I can, we can get another no, home. No, that's a bad idea. <laughs> I'm just going to say. And I don't know why you still think about that. When I have like issues like that where I'm like, okay, I got to cut this leg off in order to, you know, sacrifice or, or save the rest of the body. I'm not going to sit there and think about the leg. I'm just not. If I have to sell these stocks, you know, because I got to pay bills, I'm not going to calculate the money that I would have made. It's just going to further piss me off. Yeah. I, so I don't. I didn't calculate it. You're I was just, that person. Though. No, I'm not that person. Are what we I'm saying, married? I'm, what I'm saying, you're not hearing me. I'm hearing what you. What I'm saying is, is it made me rethink and saying, okay, if we have different investments, mm-hmm. right, right now, and mm-hmm. if it was like, hey, we need the we cash. We can't pay the kids college unless you cash out these stocks. You're going to say, well, looks like they need to come home for a semester. I think I might. Oh because, my God. Because you get when, out. When, <laughs> Get out. Where is this even going? What, what, what the reason why I'm saying that is because sometimes when you when you make a a a rational decision based off of logic, based off of numbers and data, the only thing that disrupts that and gets in the way and trumps it is sometimes emotions, right? Okay. And so sometimes in the heat of the moment, like, oh my God, it's stress, we gotta pay this. And you're not calculating the fact that selling this could mean missing out on X. Okay. Like if the kids have to come home for a semester, but that particular investment turns into a $50 million investment, are you going to really cry about one semester? I'm just going to throw it out there. We've never made an investment that could have earned us $50 million. So you're exaggerating. So now you want me to do the math on what that if Facebook we, stock okay, would have been worth. I'm going to need you to wrap this up. But <laughs> if we w- if anything we would have ever done would have equated to $50 million, that would be a different conversation. You weren't going to earn $50 million from a $2,000 stock investment of Facebook. No. What are you talking about? It wasn't $2,000 more than that. Okay. Well... I'm well, not going to think gonna, about now that. Now I'm going to go back and look at the transaction. Well, see don't what share exactly. it with me, but yeah. it was and not it, going it was to be like 50 million. million dollars, it I'm wasn't like, going to be that. Yeah. You are not Magic Johnson <laughs> going with Adidas instead of Nikes. Like we watched Converse, that documentary. Oh, yeah. Wait, what was it? Converse. He went with Converse instead of Nike. And if he would have done that, it would have been worth what? Five billion? Yeah. 5.3 billion. Something like that. I'm like, they shouldn't do the math on that. He should just say, ah, I decided to go with Converse moving on. Yeah. But so just to move on from that, but to kind of put a bow on that whole sign, one of the things that we happened to watch, which we were both staggered by, was that show Dope Sick. Okay. Right? Let's just talk about this for this podcast yeah. episode then. <laughs> so and what I mean- This is falling into bad times. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just say that. Okay? Falling into bad times? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Falling into bad times. And so one of the things that I think is super important in this world is- to get the full story, right? And so the, the reason why we keep prefacing is not about the gentleman with the sign, it's more about the sign itself, is mm-hmm. because everybody's got a story, right? Right. And so we watched this show called Dope Sick, I think it's on Hulu. It's, and it's phenomenal. Got, it's, it's phenomenal. And I think it's about six or seven episodes and really highlighting the Oxycontin epidemic that we, mm-hmm. I think we're currently still in. Opioids. Opioids, right? And so what was so fascinating about it is like you take these really good people 
and they fall into a situation where they get hurt and harmed and now they're addicted to something they cannot get off of. Right. Well, I mean, an example would be you're a day laborer or some sort of contract worker, right? Where you do construction, you hurt your back on the job, you go see your doctor, your doctor who means well, completely has your back, has been your primary care physician since you were born is like, hey, there's this new drug, haven't tried it, Mm. but they swear by it. I've read all the medical journals, you know, it comes highly regarded by X, Y, and Z doctor, and it's being heavily endorsed right now. It says right here on the label that it's safe, that it's non-addictive, let's try it. Right. That's literally what happened. And so Purdue Pharma, which is the maker of the Oxycontin drug, was the one that was doing all this illegal shit on the back end, getting the FDA to approve it, even though it was highly addictive, you know, creating all of these charts that were not really accurate, that were never approved. Somehow they wound up pushing them into hospitals. Somehow they wound up with this massive budget to be able to send these pharmaceutical reps to the doctors and take them out to lunch or dinner or fancy games or vacations or whatever. And so they're basically telling them, which it starts out in good conscience, like this is non-addictive, this is this is a new cure-all drug, it's gonna take away all the pain. So it starts with so much excitement, and then as it trickles down, that you know contract worker that I was using as an example who had back pain is now 100% addicted to Oxycontin, and now is like having these like crackhead symptoms of withdrawals, and I have to have right. it, hot sweats at night, like so now it becomes something you can't live without, and you're willing to do anything to get it. Yeah, and it, and it, to us, it brought a different level of empathy mm-hmm. for individuals that you see on the streets, yeah. right? Because they show many scenes with folks that now are homeless, that were part of a really good family, right. and now living on the streets. And so I think it's it's one of those things where you have to like take a step back. And, and, and although I highlighted the sign, and I wanted to make sure that you all understood, like I'm not judging the, the person. I'm looking at the sign right. saying, hey, like this sign maybe doesn't represent exactly what happened in your life, mm-hmm. but I do know that there's a story there. Yeah. And so I think it's important that for everyone that's listening to this, you have the ability to have a digital device that allows you to listen to the Push podcast, which is a fortunate, privileged thing, mm-hmm. right? And there are individuals out there in the world that are really struggling. And mm-hmm. I think that you have to find empathy. You have to say, if I have something like shoes, clothes, Things of that nature, giving those things in and showing that, like, hey, I, someone cares. Yeah. And I think that's one thing that's amazing about you is that you see someone immediately, you care about their situation. Well, I mean, I think it comes from like my childhood. You know, there was addiction in my family, very close to my family, that I still have some childhood things that I'm probably working through that give me an insane amount of empathy when I see someone struggling on the streets and I can tell that they're on drugs. I don't know if the 16 year old that I saw the other day looking like he was, you know, cracked out. I don't know if maybe both of his parents got killed in an accident and he was in the car and was prescribed Oxycontin and became addicted. I don't know his story. So for me to judge him is just so wrong on so many levels. And also like, I can't stand when people don't, kind of relate to like homeless people. I get it. We don't want them in our neighborhoods. I don't have the answer. Nobody wants, you know, a bunch of homeless people at their local park if they have small children. I get it. But where can they go and how can we still treat them as humans 
because we don't know what happened to get them there. Right. And this show just like pulled on so many of my heartstrings because for so long, I'm 44 years old now, just had a birthday. Happy birthday to me. Happy birthday. Um, but for this whole, my whole life up until watching this show, I thought if you make the choice to do drugs and put your whole family in jeopardy, then shame on you. Right. Like that's something you shouldn't choose to do. This was a different kind of peel back the curtain moment for me where I can see that lots of people didn't actually make that choice. And well, one yeah. of the things, you know, I don't want to give you a massive spoiler alert, but one of the doctors got into an accident, was prescribed it and was like, had been prescribing it to his patients and was like getting the feedback that it might be addictive. And he was like talking to the reps about it. And they were saying, no, 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 it's not just up the dosage. So he was reluctant to take it after his accident totally became addicted. Yeah. I think that that happened so many times that we just don't know about. And this show did a really good job of yeah. kind of explaining that. And so. And, and I think that one of the things that was startling to me is, is the rewiring of your brain. And so for many of you who don't know, like addiction of all sorts, especially chemical addictions, it rewires your brain. Mm -hmm. It rewires your actual system of needs. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, the first need is food. Mm -hmm. Well, it rewires that whole pyramid of needs, right? And so now you no longer think food is the most important. You think I got to get back to that high in order to live. Like these people felt like they were dying. Right. And so- I mean, physically they looked like they were dying because right. their body was withdrawing and was in need of the chemicals that they were- feeding for right and so the only way to fix it would be to give them more you know right. like you have to kind of wean them off and they were trying to quit cold turkey because they knew it was ruining their life and i don't know i just i got so much clarity just like god there's no way that you could get yourself off of that without the proper care which a lot of people don't have insurance without right. the proper support and you know we joke about this all the time like the only deal breaker for us for us to ever like get divorced and dissolve our partnership would be drugs yeah. because you would have consciously made the decision to put our family in, <laughs> in <laughs> I'm saying you, but in this case, now that we know I am going to definitely any surgery, I just had foot surgery. Like I'm like, I would not take Oxy. Sorry. Well, no. and the thing Give is, me a Percocet. But, but also one of the things that we realize, and this is, is, I think this is super important because some people are listening to this saying, I was given Oxycontin. You were giving Oxycontin mm -hmm. recently for your foot, right? No. Yeah, you were. It was Percocet, which is a combo. No, that's what your sister gave you. Yours said Oxycontin. No, you're wrong. It, it was the same prescription. Well, anyways, go whatever. Ahead. <laughs> it's, I remember reading and it said Oxycodone. And that's why I was like, oh, wow. Yeah. I don't know if that's a generic brand for Oxycontin, but it's a combination. It's a combination. Go ahead. But one of the things that we talked about is like, we don't really like the feeling of being like out of sorts mm -hmm. and like not of being high, of being high. Right. <laughs> and so what that does, though, is it gives you a lack of empathy for those people that they hit, feel that feeling and they want it back. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's just one of those things where you just have to have a greater empathy. My point is also this. It's like. In life, there are things that we do no matter what. And, and this is just an analogy. So the, the folks that were going through the issue all had some type of pain, Physical right? pain. Physical pain. But many people right now have mental pain. Mm -hmm. And that mental pain, they cover up with the same type of thing, right? With some sort of addiction, some sort of, uh, whether it be chemical or behavior, that they go to to kind of cover up that pain. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, is that's so important. And we we had this kind of almost a disagreement. I was like, the problem is 
is that not everyone has the access or the understanding that there's always an alternative method. Mm -hmm. That when you take something to cover up your pain, you never get to the root cause of what's going on. If you're constantly taking cough medicine and you're constantly got a cough, then you need to figure out what the root cause of right. that cough is instead of trying to suppress the cough. Mm -hmm. And I think that that was one of those things where I thought it was important that like we were watching and I was like, wow, there are people with access, money, whatever the case that know, oh, if I have this back thing, I'm not going to just take pain medicine. I'm actually going to a, a specialist that's going to help me get through this right. or give me an alternative method that I don't get addicted to. Well, I think that that's the thing, though, is we don't maybe we're not empowered to figure out how to advocate for ourselves. Right. You know, like if I go to the doctor and say, hey, I've had headaches for the past 30 days, they're going to be like, OK, well, what are you taking? Tylenol? Okay, well, that should work. No, I want to stop taking Tylenol. So can <laughs> right. we figure out why I have headaches, right? right? That happened to me, like TMI, but my periods were really, really, really bad for the last like five years. And I kept going to the doctor and they were like, well, you know, it varies per person. I'm like, no, something is wrong. I'm telling you, like, I feel like I'm dying. So what can be done? And they were like, oh, okay, well, you can have a hysterectomy. Okay, well, I don't want to go into menopause. Oh, well, then we can do it this way. The same thing happened when uh, they found a lump on my thyroid. Right. They were like, well, you know, we can monitor it for six months. No, it, test the lump. What do you mean? Okay, well, we'll remove half of your thyroid. And if it seems like it is cancerous, then we'll go back and remove the whole thing. No, can I survive without a thyroid? Right. If so, take the whole thing. Why would you take half of it and do two surgeries? It makes no sense to me. So I feel like a lot of people don't know how to advocate for themselves. And, and that's one thing I think is really great. Like I probably, I don't go to the doctor enough, but you are really good about, no, let's take care of this, yeah. right? Let's get done with this. And I think that that was one of the things I also pulled from that was like, you got to advocate for yourself. You got to say, no, I'm not okay with the guy. One of the guys was like, I can't move my arm up without a pain. Well, They'll take this pain medicine, but no, no I want to be it. able to move my arm. Right. Without can I have surgery? <laughs> can I have like what needs to happen? I mean, I don't know. I can tell you a million times where even when I was going through the thing with my period, I was like, okay, is this something I'm eating? Is it my diet? I went to a nutritionist. I had them pull blood work and yeah. I'm like, oh, you have a slight intolerance to gluten. Great. Cut it out. Like don't right. need gluten anymore. Right. But nothing was working. So then, you know, I had to advocate to finally have a hysterectomy. Yeah. And I, and I'm always, I talk to a lot of people and, and, and so many people talk to me about like anxiety and, you know, feeling all of these kind of mental health issues. And my big thing is like, I'm not an expert. I'm not a therapist. Mm -hmm. Right. But I have learned a lot about one of the, you know, just the common themes that you have to do to have really good mental health. And I think that we would probably say that we have pretty good mental health, right? right? I don't think, I don't necessarily have any issues with anxiety. I don't have any issues with, you know, being depressed. But one of the things that we do do is that we do really great work to keep ourselves really prepared for the world and, and making sure that we, we understand that if we do have anxiety, there is a root cause to that. And I right. think we're in a place where people are trying to solve the anxiety and not the root cause of what is causing it. Well, I think what you wanted to say that maybe people would hear it in this way is that we have really good mental health practices right. that help us avoid things like depression, overwhelm, anxiety. When I start to feel stressed at work, I have to step back. Like right. I have to say, okay, this is not a feeling that I want. What's causing this? Am I taking too much on? Do a lot of like self-reflecting to say, no, I don't like the way this feels. So Maybe it's going to be like we're ramping up for a launch or launching a new product or something like that. 
but at the cost of what? Like, I don't feel good doing this. It's taking away from my family, my kids, my whatever. It's it's infringing upon my mental health. I have to have good conversations with myself. Again, kind of advocating for myself to say, checking in, this is not okay with me. Yeah, and I think one of the things I think is really important is that I know I do this. I constantly am asking myself questions. If I have a certain emotion, I'm like, what? where is this emotion coming mm-hmm. from? What is this about this particular situation that has got me feeling a little anxious? Yeah. What is it about this particular situation that has saddened me? And when I start to ask that question, whether it be five whys mm-hmm. or I start to find certain questions and I get to a root cause, then I'm able to deconstruct that and I'm able to focus on something different. I think what what I find is when I interact with folks that struggle with some of these things, it's not knowing the resources that they have available to them to to deconstruct and find out what it is that's creating that emotion, mm-hmm. or it's a conditioning to always solve the symptom. Mm-hmm. And the symptom is like your heart's racing. The symptom is you can't gather your thoughts. The symptom is your your brain and everything is out of sorts. Insomnia. Those are the insomnia. Mm-hmm. Those are symptoms. So people take sleeping pills. That's not the root cause. Mm-hmm. That's not going to solve anything. People take certain drugs to relax them. Mm-hmm. And then they wonder why when they off the drugs, they feel even more anxiety. Mm-hmm. It's because they're not solving for what the root cause is, whether right. that's going to therapy, whether that is like practices like meditation, exercise, and sometimes reading about psychology of anxiety. Whatever you're struggling yeah. with. Yeah, mm-hmm. because when you find out what it's made of, what it is, and how your brain actually functions, then you realize, wow, a lot of this stuff is my brain creating it. Mm-hmm. It's it's not necessarily based off something real in reality. It's more about my ma- imagination of what could possibly be going on or what could happen. And those things, I think, that they free you. Right. Because then now I understand the ingredients that are creating this feeling or this emotion. Now I can start peeling it back and get to a place of feeling really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Amen. So I think all of that to say, <laughs> I, th- I think all that to say, like, stay away from drugs. Drugs yeah, are bad. Think, they, Advocate for your health. Right. Um, be in practice of making sure that you're on some sort of routine to exercise good practices for mental health. Right. That includes like moving your body, you know, taking breaks from work, figuring out how to rest and recover, which we're going to talk about in the next episode. I think all of these things would help you uh, not wind up on drugs, not wind up homeless, not have to figure out how to get a Sharpie and figure out what your sign's going to say. Yeah, and own your hard times. Yeah. Like, I think we all are going to experience it. You're all going to feel like you're at rock bottom. You're going to have really tough moments in life. I think it's important that you own it. Because when you own it and it's yours and it's your responsibility, then you know you're in charge and you have power over it. Yeah. When you give it away and you give that and you blame it on something else, you are taking your power away and you're giving it to something that is invisible or you're giving it to other people. And if other people hold the power of your life, there's no way you can take it back. Well, I just think, though, that people that listen to the Push podcast, they're probably on our team of like, yes, I caused some of this drama in my life. Maybe you do need a reminder. But I will venture to say again that half of the planet actually lives in victimhood. Right. Mm -hmm. So like I got fired from that job because of that dumbass coworker that I had that ratted me out, like something like that. Right. I had a pension until my bitch of an ex-wife took half my money. What, whatever, right? Right. Okay, could we have worked on the marriage? Could we have come up with a prenup? Could we have done something to divide the assets? Of course, right? 
I have a shitty relationship with my stepdaughter because her mom is constantly putting bad shit in her head. Okay, how old is she? Can you talk to her about it? Can you work through some of those problems? I filed bankruptcy because I lost my job. Been there. And we realized we were already overextending ourselves to begin with, putting ourselves on the brink of like spending too much on gymnastics and household and this and that. So the lesson for us was, oh, let's take a step back and figure out how we can never let that happen again. Right. Right. Marital problems. Maybe that's because we weren't communicating as well as we could have. We weren't establishing expectations or asking each other what we needed in the relationship. The point I'm trying to make is any problem that you have in your life, there is some way that you can take some sort of ownership to take power back and not be a victim of that circumstance. And listen, everything that could go wrong has gone wrong to us, you know. Oh, we think you have a lump on your throat. I mentioned it could be cancer. I had a two-year-old, two, four, and six-year-old at the time. I wasn't freaking out that I was going to die from cancer. I was like, cut it out. Get it out. Let's go. Like, I don't want to talk about what could happen, what might happen. No, just do it now, right? Right. And I just think that we want to empower you to advocate for yourself and to take responsibility and to say, what sucks in my life that I hate right now that I could really step into and say, you know what? I never thought of taking responsibility. It may not be your fault, but it can still be your responsibility to take the power back. I love that. And it made me think like we talked about in the last episode about going pro in life. Mm -hmm. Like I think that you can't give up the fight, right? I think that life at some points can be peaceful and can be joy. And then there's times you got to roll up your sleeve and you got to fight for your health. You got to fight for your well-being. You got to fight for your family. And I think when you fight, you are taking ownership that you know you can do something about it, yeah. right? And there may be times where you go, I- I'm fighting and I'm so tired. Like, I I, I don't know, but you got to keep fighting yep. because once you stop fighting, that's when it's over, yep. right? When you retreat, that's when it's over. And there'll be times where you're going to need to rest during the fight, but I think you can fight and still live a full life, but knowing that like there's something that matters at the end of the road. Mm-hmm. Your family matters, your health matters, your mental well-being matters, your career and aspirations and your fulfillment all matter. All those things you should fight for. Yeah. When you stop making them a priority and you're not training as a professional to own those things, that's when I think bad things sneak in, right? It's like right. weeds start to grow. Right. So yeah, don't let the weeds of drug abuse grow in your backyard. <laughs> don't let the weeds of victimhood grow in your backyard. Don't let the weeds of, you know, bad times, take away your pension and your car, start to be proactive about some of the things that are not really making you feel good in life right now. And I promise that the more you advocate for yourself, the more you step into like, okay, I got to fix this. Finances, they suck for me right now. I'm tired of feeling this way. What got you there? And you just said something um, when people were listening earlier, I hope that they got We try to ask ourselves what questions, like what got me here? What am I doing to contribute to this? What needs to be done differently? What books and resources are available to help me? What people can help support me? Like so many what questions, right? When you ask the why questions, why is this happening? Why can't I get a break? Why does this always happen to me? Why, 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 why? Those things usually lead you to a place of victimhood. Yeah, because 
those answers are not good answers. They're not right? helpful. You want to ask yourself questions that give you. Doesn't matter why bad great. things happen to you. <laughs> right. We need to say, what am I doing wrong so I can prevent these things from happening? Or in the what future? do I need to do now to move forward? Because right. what has happened has happened. Or I love, what do I not know right. that's making me choose what I'm choosing? Because these choices are getting me where I am. So what is it that I need to know in order to make a better choice? What about this pain that I'm going through? Do that, I never want to experience that again? I know, yeah, that I don't want to experience again. But what about this pain that I need to solve? What is it that's creating this chronic pain? And and I think that what you can find is you'll find answers, you'll find alternatives, you'll keep fighting, you'll try new things, you'll be you'll be curious, you'll you'll approach your mind and your body like a scientist. You'll be trying trial and error to find the right thing. But I think you can't give up and just use things to mask the pain. You can't use things to mask the problems. Because when you do that, I think that's when you find yourself falling on hard times, addicted to the masking, addicted yeah. to the thing that it covers it up because it solves for the symptom, but it won't solve for the root cause. Yep. So go watch Dope Sick on Hulu. I think it's Hulu. Tell them we sent you. <laughs> who, who will you tell? Nobody. But I promise that uh, if this conversation is inspiring for you or just something that's triggering for you, definitely go watch it. I think it's worth learning about why we have an opioid crisis, and then also learning about how you can protect yourself and your kids. I thought like, okay, well, Kayla's probably going to have her wisdom teeth taken out this summer. I don't want her being prescribed oxy. She's going to get water. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, you know, I wouldn't have thought prior to watching that show, like to say, no, she's not going to take that. Give her something else. Right. And so you'll then see that before you know it, she's a crackhead and oh, she's, God. yeah, I don't even want to wish that into existence, but I get it now and it is an addictive drug. It and so, powerful. yeah, so stay off of drugs, help homeless people, help people in need, help people whose stories you don't have the time or um, access to learn or listen to because I think that's super important. We're all trying to do life on this planet together. And I genuinely think people are doing the best that they can yeah. in most situations. I will say other than the woman who served us breakfast the other day for my birthday, she was not doing the best job that she can. No, she was, she was my what in the world. She was about 20% of her max uh, effort. I don't think she said <laughs> hi when she came to the table. She was just like, are you guys ready to order? Um, Hello. Hi. Welcome. Hello. You know, are you celebrating anything today? Yes, actually, it's my birthday. Right. I was just like so destroyed about the terrible service that she provided. Yeah. Anyways. She was not trying her best. You push listeners, you will try your best. We'll see you guys in the next episode. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Push Podcast. Hey, we want to hear from you. So if you have a question or there's a particular topic that you want us to tackle and you want us to help you push through, you got to do something for us. You got to go to Apple Podcasts and you got to leave a rating and a review. And in that review, go ahead and leave that question with your Instagram handle so that we can shout you out when we actually answer the question. And we'll talk about that on the podcast and make sure that, hey, this particular podcast is made for you. So leave a rating, leave a review. You leave your handle and until next time, push through.